0: Hey everybody, it's Matt. Welcome or welcome back to the Journey Church podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you can automatically get our weekly episodes. And you might want to go ahead and subscribe to our Journey YouTube channel as well. You'll find messages, music, interviews, inspiring stories, and more for you all right there. Now, I hope this episode helps you take your next step in following Jesus. It's really a joy for me to be here uh, with you guys. Super special. Like Matt said, I've known him for years. In the Voices uh, series, and I know that it was presented to you, or I don't know how it was packaged, that you're going to get outside voices and, and, you know, kind of hear something, and it makes sense. Um, But you know the real reason why they did the Summer Series, not to hear outside voices, it was to give Matt a break, right, from from teaching, or maybe to give you all a break um, from him, uh, but but you'll know like next time I don't know what you're going to do if they plan ahead, but next summer if you have another series and it's called something like Voices and it's packaged however they package it and you'll notice that Matt is not teaching for four or five weeks, you'll know that it really should be called like rest or Sabbath is the church word, you know, or, or summer break. Um, Would be a better one, but I'm glad to be a part of voices. I'm the last one So when when matt invited me to come he's like you're the last one the 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 bottom of the barrel And I and I so I didn't get defensive or anything about it I I was good and didn't have any kind of Resentment uh, at all about it. You know, I just thought hey I'll I'll be the last one, but then I kept thinking about it and I wondered Hmm, I I wonder why i'm the last one other than i'm the worst one. Um, and that that I didn't know if that was true. And so I was thinking, why, 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 why? And I think I figured it out um, with Matt, or at least I narrowed it down to two things. One was jealousy. Um, I think that he's jealous of some stuff in Tennessee, uh, namely our football program and national championships uh, and things like that. So there was this sense of jealousy. But the other thing was I don't, I don't think he likes me um, that much, and that's why I, I was last. You know, he's like, man, you're the last one, and, and that's okay. And you might think that I'm being a little um, over-emotional about it, but hear me out on this. So Matt is, is a leader of leaders, and I'm a part of a group now that he leads. It's a bunch of pastors in the Southeast United States, and we get together once a month on a video call, and we talk. And a couple months ago, we had a real um, good Call group, and we were sharing. And one of those, it was one of those times when I spoke a lot and was kind of sharing my heart and some of the problems and tensions that I was dealing with. And man, everybody was great and stuff. And so we got done with the call. And a few hours later, um, I get my phone dings, and it, you got a text from Matt. And I was like, man, that's cool. Because really, what I thought was, how great is that? I mean, the guy leaves their group, and he's a of pastors, and I was thinking, he's, you know, he thought of me, first of all. Um, he's going to tell me he's praying for me, or he's got a, a scripture verse on there. And so, uh, boom, there's a text from Matt. I hit it, and this is what uh, shows up. Doesn't actually mow, just talks about how it's going to mow next year. And um, I was like, wow, man, I just poured out my heart, and this is what I get a Tennessee mower that doesn't mow. um, And then taking it away because, you know, we can get kind of touchy when it comes to our sports teams. But there is a a young man in our church that plays baseball at the University of Kentucky, so we're um, a Wildcat fan for him. Um, But we went fishing a couple weeks ago. When you're in a fishing boat or when you go on a trip and you spend a few days together, there is, I mean, that's a special time. It's, it's a close time, and, and you have um, just a great time, but, it, but it's unique and special, and I shared this picture with our church. This is Matt and I, and those are two really nice brown trout. I mean, that was in Montana, and we did something kind of rare on this boat. We doubled up obviously there's two fish there right so we both caught two fish at the same time and we're standing on the side of the river and we're holding up our fish and we're talking about which one is bigger than the other one and it's obvious that you all can tell um the one that has more color is a little bit bigger so we're, we're talking about this fish and stuff and uh you know I'm showing my church and we're telling people about doubling up and things like that and then when I was uh, Getting ready to come up here a couple months ago, um, was looking on it and I found uh, there's a fellow that's from Kentucky and he's friends with Matt on the Facebook and his name is Bubba. Um, And so before I came up here, I was looking and I found this picture right here. So on Bubba's Facebook, there's a picture of Matt and I thought, wow, I thought we had a special time. You know, on the boat, and who? And I'm not saying that he did. I don't know if your pastor had anything to do with this. I don't know. I know he's in the picture, and I know whoever didn't even have enough decency to cut my stinking ear out of the picture. <laughs> so can you see why there's this? Ten, when it comes to sports and things that don't matter, some, sometimes we clash. Um, but when it comes to things that matter, um, there's nobody that I love and respect more than your pastor. And I've had a front seat um, for the last, I guess it's been 17 years now, um, uh, to see uh, what God was doing in the journey. And in the beginning, uh, nobody, nobody bought into what he was selling. N- nobody, I shouldn't say nobody, very, very few people believed the vision that God gave Matt for a church church on mission in Murray, Kentucky. And I hope you're like what most of the voices are asking outside of this place. What is going on there? And we know something's going on. What's going, what is God doing in that place? And as solid as your leaders are, it's not them. It's that God is doing something that he's been doing for millennia. See, Jesus, a long time ago, and when I talk about the church this morning, I know you guys know this, but I just wanted to make sure that you realize that I know this. I am never, not one time, talking about the church as a building. Not one time. I'm talking about you guys. When I refer to the church, and Jesus passes on the message of the church, the message that you heard that young lady who was just baptized a few minutes ago, Talk about how it changes lives. He passed it on to his disciples, and the disciples passed it on to Paul and to Luke and to another generation. And a group, a faithful church on mission, passed it on to the next generation. And it started spreading around the Middle East, and it spread to the Far East and to the West. And some generation of people wanted this message that you can have peace with God, that Jesus Christ is a Savior And people to have freedom to speak and hear and to worship. And they crossed an ocean and ended up on our continent. And they passed it on to another generation, a faithful group of ordinary people on mission. And somehow, someone passed it on to this family in East Tennessee. Probably not very different than a typical, ordinary, humble, middle-class Kentucky family. Nothing special. Bo and Shirley Henderson, part of a church that took serious the mission that had been passed on for generation after generation after generation. And Bo and Shirley Henderson knew a young boy that wasn't involved in church. And his family didn't bring him to church. And he wasn't going to hear the message. And where most people had forgotten Not a church on mission. And for two years, two and a half years, Bo and Shirley Henderson, before they went to participate in their church, they drove across town and picked me up. And brought me to church. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And it was there that I came to know the Lord. And another generation had passed it on to another generation, and somebody did the same for you. Matter of fact, there's probably somebody sitting here this morning that someone has been praying for, hoping that you would hear the message that life is always better with God. Whether it's good or bad, life is always better with God. And you know that without faithful churches down through the generations who take serious the mission of the church, there wouldn't be a single person sitting here this morning. Wow. How valuable. How essential critical is the church on mission. And in the journey of the journey, the journey's journey over the past 17 years, I know you've learned some things. And the first thing that you've learned is the church is not a building. In the journey's journey, you guys get what most other people don't, especially in America. And they might talk about it, but you know because for 16 and a half For a long time. And people would come up to Matt and they would say, Hey Matt, when are you gonna start a church? And in the back of his mind, I'm not exactly for sure, in the back of my mind I would have had some words for him, but what I would say is, hey, we've been a church for a long time. We just don't have a building yet. And when a church on mission realizes that the church can go anywhere and be anywhere, and as long as they're on mission, they don't have to have a facility. But boy, isn't it nice. See, the great thing, I'm so proud and happy for you, but the great thing about your facility is you guys are going to do a better job of being the church, be more effective and being for your community. But in your journey, you've realized the church is not a building. In your journey, um, you've realized something that is so hard for Americans to realize. As a matter of fact, a guy wrote this. This is the first sentence in one of the best-selling Christian devotional books um, in America and around the world. Rick Warren wrote The Purpose-Driven Life in the first sentences. It's "It's not about you. And in the journey's journey, you've realized, those of you who've been here for a long time, if you're a guest, you're going to realize that the church is not just about one person. It's so much bigger. There's this mission that God has that he called a bunch of country folks from the hills of Kentucky. Just like he called a bunch of country folks from the hills of Judea and entrust ordinary people with this mission that's bigger than they are. And there's something about whether you've been here for a long time or not that long of time. There is something in all of us that wants to do something bigger than our own little stinking worlds. And your world might be great. My world is great. I love my world. But it's little. And I want to do something else, and I want to do something more. And then journey's journey, you guys realize that, man. That's huge. It's not about you. And another thing that you've realized, and and I don't know if you say it this way here or not, um, but there's two keys to connecting as a church. That young lady talked about connecting as a church. I can guarantee there's two keys. Both of these were part of it. And the two keys are this, relationships and responsibility. You will not be sitting here in six months if you don't have some relationships and responsibilities. You certainly won't be here in five years. Relationships that are deeper and different and unique, the kind that God created us to have where we have intimacy and transparency and authenticity. Where we get to know someone and someone knows our hearts and we know when you're not here and when you're here and what we can pray for and what you struggle with. And the key to connecting here is you have to, and you already know this if you're connected. But, and I hope you realize this too. I, I think you do because you've done church for 17 years. The kind of relationships that we're created for don't happen on Sunday morning. Now, that's weird for somebody to say, but that's what we, this is, it's the truth. You're going to come on Sunday, and they're going to do every possible thing they can do for you and your guests to have a great experience. It's going to be great worship. It's going to be encouraging and inspirational. Hopefully, you're going to sing. Hopefully, you're going to hear a message, usually a good one, unless you're the last, the bottom of the barrel at the end of the summer series. Then you don't know what the heck you're going to get, right? And you're going to have a great experience and drink some coffees and see some smiling faces, but you know what's not going to happen? You're not going to spend 20, 30, 40 minutes talking and praying and building a relationship with someone. It doesn't happen on Sunday morning. And in the journey's journey, you realize that. And what they've done is they've created environments in the two places that you can get these kind of relationships are in small groups where you're in a circle with a group, or a ministry team. Now, I've seen relationships, and I was telling Matt, one of the things that just brings me joy is to see these ministry teams serving because not the great job that they do, because of the relationships that they have. And then there's this idea of responsibilities, because God created us to do something that's bigger than our own world. And I know what it takes to do what the journey does. It takes... Hard work and commitment. And I love you guys for it. I love that there is a church on mission that's making a difference in their community and around the world because of their commitment. Man, you guys do stuff with excellence. The facility is stinking amazing your events that you do in the community and your simulcast, your children's hall, you all know, you just have to open up your eyes. This is what the voices are saying outside. What is God doing there? And what I know is it takes commitment to have the kind of success that you've got had because mediocre, half-hearted, halfway effort doesn't produce the results that we see here but there's an issue with success success is a great enemy to success it's not unique to the churches to any kind of situation success is a great enemy to success happens in sports all the time because success breeds arrogance and pride and God has a whole lot to say about pride and arrogance Matter of fact, Paul addresses this in 1 Corinthians. We're going to look at a group. It was a group of Christians in the town of Corinth, and they were having some success, and they started to get prideful. And Paul, like only Paul, he, he's this really intellectually smart dude, and he can put powerful, profound stuff in real concise words. First Corinthians 4 7, Paul's talking to these Christians, and he says, What do you have that you did not receive? Come on, church, what, what, do you, what, do you tell, what do you have that hasn't been given? And if you did receive it, why do you boast or act as though you did not? Well, Jeff, man, we got this with hard work. We worked our tails off. And I know you did, but I also know you wouldn't even have a tail to work off if it wasn't for God. Man, Jeff, I, 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 I was given this stuff, man, I made good financial decisions man that's great i'm glad you did but you wouldn't have a mind to think if it wasn't we have nothing if it wasn't for the blessing of god in fact james jesus's half brother says every good every great blessing comes from God. I was at a football game, in the, a high school football game in the fall in my hometown. Um, like our university, we have a very good high school football team. And um, so I brought my daughters and my wife and we all went to the Maribel High School um, football game. Before we went, we go to the concession stand and I don't, do y'all have Chick-fil-A in Kentucky? Okay. So we got Chick-fil-A and I, we have Chick-fil-A at our high school football uh, a game so I get me a couple Christian chicken sandwiches and my daughter gets some cotton candy and my other daughter gets some skittles and my wife she probably had like a bag ziplock bag of carrots and celery because she's a health nut um you can tell that I'm not um so we get our stuff we sit down we're watching the game and eat my Christian chicken and you know when you eat chicken sandwiches usually um it's greasy and salty and if you really want them good you put extra pickles on them and so you got all that going on there but when you get done and your mouth is just sitting there you want something sweet in your mouth man i was like man i wanted something sweet i didn't get anything sweet look over there there at my girls and the one had already inhaled her uh, cotton candy my other one had a bag of skittles and um It was probably the same size bag like this, and she was eating them. When I talked about Skittles at my church, I thought it would be cool, and I popped one in my mouth. Man, and you know how it just explodes with juice and and saliva and stuff, and then I got choked up, and, man, I had to call the doctor and all kinds of stuff, so I'm not going to put anything in my mouth. But she's eating these Skittles, um, and so I was like, her name's Katie. I was like, Katie, can can Daddy have some Skittles? Um, And this is my sweet, blonde-headed, five-year-old girl. Um, and the look on her face was kind of, not totally shock, but surprised that I would ask. So there's this, she looks at me like she's frozen for a second. And then, in a second, I can see her hand do this. And as she's turning around, turning her back to me, she says, No! That's how I was. I was like, I can't believe that. Man, that's a sweet girl that just shot me down. In, in in those couple seconds there, as she's holding these Skittles with her back, you know, sometimes when we tell our dad or tell God, no, we never want to look in their faces. I mean, she, you can look at this side of me. No. I had a couple thoughts. One, my first thought was, man, I whoop you up and take the Skittles. That, there's probably not a five-year-old girl that I can't take at this point. I mean, I really thought I'll squash you and take them things. And then I didn't think that was a great idea. But then I thought, did you forget who just bought them for you? I mean, it wasn't 30 minutes ago. I just went down there, hey, honey, man, I'm a big spender. Anything you want at the concession stand. I just bought them for you. And then I had this thought, and this was another not godly thought. I thought, if I wanted to, I'd go back down to that concession stand, and I could buy every stinking bag of Skittle that they had. I can go to every concession stand in the whole football stadium, in the whole place. And I could buy every one because the reason why she got stingy on me is because she didn't think she had enough Skittles for her to, meet, to, you know, to satisfy her and for dad too. And I wanted to say, hey, Katie, man, I'll go, if we run out of Skittles, I'll go get some more stinking Skittles. I can buy every Skittle in the whole place until you're sick of eating Skittles. And after that night, I thought about it more and more and more, and and it was like God said, hey, Jeff, you remember when Katie didn't share her Skittles? I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Sometimes that's how you are with me. And I was like, we all have Skittles. Some of you have a bunch of Skittles. Some of you worked your tails off. Make good decisions, and you have a big old pile of Skittles. Some of you got a big pile of Skittles, and you didn't have to work hard. It's not a bad thing. Somebody gave it to you. Some of you made some good decisions. You didn't work hard, but you got lucky on something. Some of us just have, like, mediums, you know, a pretty good pile of skills Compared to the rest of the world, it's huge. But for Americans, we just got, you know, average size. Most people don't think they got big Skittles. And some of us got little smaller piles of Skittles. It's not about the skills. But God told me, Jeff, sometimes it seems like you forget where your skittles came from some- Sometimes it seems like you forget that I'm the one that gave you the skittles in the first place and i found I found a verse I want to share with you because uh, somebody was speaking for God he was a prophet, and he was telling them in in He was telling them kind of the same thought that I had, that God has so many blessings, so many Skittles, that he could open up the floodgates of heaven. And Jeff, sometimes it seems like you forgot that I could bless you with so many Skittles. So much stuff that is valuable to you. And you'd never miss a beat. Matter of fact, that's how generosity works. We're blessed, we're, we receive from God and, and we bless other people and God keeps on blessing us. And that's why Matt talks about he and Jen and, and they sacrifice huge for your church because of the mission. But he knows something that some of you know that you can't give God. See, and God wanted to talk to a group of of people who were following him. Um, this was in the Old Testament. So he gets this guy named Malachi, and Malachi is just a normal dude. And he, God says, You're going to talk to them for me, and I want you to tell them that they're stealing from me, and I'm not happy. And um, so Malachi goes and says, Hey, you know, they weren't really a church yet, but they were kind of like a church. Hey, God says that He wants you to know that you're stealing from Him, and that they say, Man, we're not stealing. We would never steal from God. What are you talking about? And then God says, Hey, Malachi, tell them that they're stealing from me because they forgot where their Skittles come from and they're not bringing their Skittles to, to the church. And they're like, whoa. You mean when we forgot where our Skittles came from, it's like stealing from God? Here, here, It's in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. And Malachi is talking to this group of, of God followers and he says, bring the whole tithe. Tithe was the top, the top 10% for the Old Testament folks. That's what was their standard. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And then the only place, I don't know if you know this, is, this is something that I learned a couple years ago. In all of the Bible, the New Testament and Old Testament, there's one place that God says, test me. And He doesn't, it's not test me when it comes to somebody's salvation or somebody's holiness, some of the stuff that I would think would maybe be important. He, he wants us to test him when it comes to Skittles. The only place in the Bible. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so many Skittles that you won't have enough room in your hands to hold them. Wow. We just got to remember where they came from. When I read this verse, it, it, it reminded me and it prompted our church to do something and I'm going to challenge you with it. And I don't know if you do this here, but we call it the generosity challenge. Because even though some of us sitting here this morning and we think, yeah, man, sometimes I get close-fisted. We don't want to be like that. I've never met a person, even people who are really uh, selfish in, in, in uh, you know, all the bad descriptive words, that wants to be like that. Culture helps us and fuels our fire, but n- nobody really, I don't think there's one person that wants to be close-fisted this morning. And yet we have to be intentional if we don't want to be that way. So here's the generosity challenge. This is what I did with my church, and I didn't ask Matt permission, but since I'm the last person of the last series of the summer and the bottom of the barrel, then I don't really care to get his permission, right? I mean, I'm not coming back. This is the generosity challenge. If you don't invest in this church... And you will take God and test him. God says to test him, test him. And you will start giving in the next week. Take some time think about it. And you will commit to giving regularly a percentage, I mean a top. It doesn't, you don't have to start with 10% because that's tough for some people. You start with 5% but do it regularly for three months And test God, and if God doesn't throw open the floodgates of heaven and bless you and your family, man, if it gets tough on you, because we're testing them, right? Then my church will send Matt a chick for all the money that you gave. Let me say that again because I wasn't very clear. The generosity challenge is this. If you don't give and you would start giving and test God for three months because we're going to test them, And at the end of three months, if you can't say, hey, Pastor Matt, man, God has blessed me like crazy. If you don't see God's blessing, then you tell Matt. Matt, we gave this amount of money. Man, we tried. We really did. It just didn't work out, and now we're in a bad place. Matt will pick up the phone and call or text me, and we will give every bit of your money back. It's crazy. It's a generosity challenge. But what I know is it will change your life because any time you test God, God is going to be faithful. And if you're thinking about that, and if you're not a giver and you're like, man, I'm going I'm to try this, what I would encourage you to do is shoot Matt an email. You say, hey, Matt, man, I've not done this. This place is amazing, and I want to be about a church that's on mission to pass down the good news to the next generation. And before community enters, nothing more that I would want to invest in. I haven't yet, but I'm making a commitment to do it now. Let him know so that he can pray for you. And you'll know what it feels like to take responsibility. And once you take responsibility, you're going to feel connected to this place like you've never before. In six months, this church is going to look different. Some of you who are sitting here this morning are not going to be here in six months. Because you didn't have relationships and responsibilities. Maybe you go to another church, if you get relationships and responsibilities there, you might stick. But there's going to be some new folks six months from now. With a hope and a desire and a yearning to hear something, to know something, to learn something. That will give them hope for life. And this church is going to give it to them. And I hope that you get to be part of that. God doesn't need you, nor does he need your Skittles. But we have an awesome opportunity to take responsibility and to be on mission with him. Thank you so much for letting me come. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to be dismissed. So would you bow your heads with me, please? God, I never know what you're talking and speaking to people, but I would just pray that your voice is heard clearly. And, God, I know that there's some people in here, and they're like, man, being generous is so awesome, and that guy is right. He's from Tennessee, but he's right. We can never outgive you, and you bless us like crazy when we invest in your church. And, God, there's some of us here, and you stirred our hearts, and we want to be more open-fisted. We want to be more generous. We don't want to respond like my... Wonderful daughter did when she was five. And forget that every blessing comes from you. And forget that if you wanted to take those blessings, you could. And we forget, or we might not know, that you want to bless us with so much so that we can be a blessing to others. I pray that that person would have enough courage to exercise their faith to take the generosity challenge so that they can be about something that's so much bigger than their own worlds and invest in something that's huge because they will never regret it and you will change our hearts. God, would you continue to bless this church, these people, this place so that they would be a blessing to others and life-changing as they pass down faith to the next generation and we pray and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you'd like more content like this, subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our journey app to access all of our recent message content. And our app is the easiest way to share this content with friends. For more information on our church or to find our app or our YouTube channel, just visit journeycalway.com. That's journeycalway.com. Thanks for listening.